Welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, where I talk to entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and all levels of success, from millionaires to the people who are just starting out and everyone in between. My objective is not only to learn about their businesses and goals, but about their challenges and fears as well, all with the hopes of helping them and you find a pathway to success. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to be talking with my friend, Kathy Feinstein. And Kathy is a licensed mental health counselor and certified performance consultant. For over 18 years, her unique practice has empowered children, adolescents, adults, couples, families, and teams to achieve greater satisfaction in sport, health, and life. Kathy's practice focuses on three key areas, sports, performance services, counseling, and education through speaking engagements. Kathy is also an author and speaker who offers an array of interactive workshops and seminars designed to enhance the quality of life for her participants. And she has a new podcast called Parenting Peak Performers, which I'm pretty excited about. The last thing I would add is that the foundation of Kathy's work is built on establishing a trusted collaborative relationship with each client. Her practice is centered in integrity with a commitment to her client's well-being and an adherence to the highest ethical standards of the profession, uh, which I love. Kathy, welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. Thank you. It's great to be here, Andy. Thank you. Yeah, excited to have you on. So uh, it was interesting. You and I connected a while back, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago through a mutual friend, Jason Teeters, Mm -hmm. whom I think you met through your daughter. Yes. Um, right. That got connected to Jason. And then you met with him down where you live in the Fort Myers area. And Jason, for any longtime listeners might know that Jason Teeters was episode number one of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. He was my first ever interview uh, when we launched back in May 1st, 2017. And so it was kind of cool to make that connection and bring it back. And now we're in the episodes in the nearing the 60s here. And cool to connect with you. So I was intrigued by your background and what you've been doing and being so focused on helping people for a long time, um, I thought it would be great for other people to hear your message. So, Kathy, maybe we can start with a little bit of your background. You could share some of your origin story and tell me how you got into all of this. Terrific. Okay. So, I've been in counseling since 1998, and I was in community mental health for many years and had two daughters that were competitive athletes. And so, probably back in the mid 2000s, when they were both at the height of their athletic careers, they were experiencing some performance anxiety. And so, and I was looking for someone to help them and I couldn't find anybody. So in my research, I ended up finding a certification program in sports psychology. And so that's what made me go back to school. So I went back to school and I did the certification and started working with athletes probably in 2008, 2009. So a little late for my girls, but, but I've been loving it ever since. And I'll tell you, coming from community mental health, it was interesting when I first started working with athletes, it would be like, I'd have my counseling hat on, and then I would have my sport performance consulting hat on. And then over the years, the two have just melded together beautifully. So the work that I do with athletes really informs the work I do in general counseling and vice versa. It's been a a terrific process really of where, of getting to where I am now with that. Yeah, it's interesting. So you started as a mental health counselor and you said uh, with community mental health. So you were an employee of an organization um, working as a counselor with different people, not necessarily athletes, but anybody who had mental health type issues and things to help them move past those. And then you started to utilize that skill as you got more into sports. Is that right? 
Yes, exactly. So like in community mental health, I worked for um, Catholic Charities. And so we always had a waiting list and it was a matter of just getting on that list and whoever was the next person is who you saw. So I worked with people that had schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, you know, adjustment disorders. It was whoever was coming through the doors and it was a wonderful, wonderful way to get varied experience. And so when I started doing the sports work, it was really quite different and it felt really different. But over the years, again, the, the two have come together really nicely. Yeah, and when you started doing the sports work, you went and got certified, you said, and was, is that something that you were maybe doing on the side or did you quit your job and then jump into doing that as a full-time business? How did that work? So I did it kind of on the side, you know, I started it part-time and I would take, I took one class that is actually, I may have taken one or two classes at a time. And so I took my classes and then I did a, I had to do a 700 hour practicum and I did that on the side. So I'd be working Catholic charities. I'd also started my private practice part-time. And so I was seeing clients in my private practice, as well as going out. I did a lot of my sports work initially out in the community. So I worked with a high school basketball team for a whole season, and that was amazing. Hmm. Uh, And they happened to go to the state championship that year. So it was... Hmm. um, Thanks to you, right? No, no. I just (laughs) got to be there when I was because they had an amazing team. And so that was quite a ride. That was fun. Yeah. Okay. So you're working the full-time job. You're doing this um, sports psychology on the side to get your hours. You're working with a basketball team and you also had kids at home during that time. You know what? My daughters were both in college at the time. Okay. Got it. All right. I was going to say you, you must be superwoman (laughs) because that sounds like a lot of stuff to be going on. So you had had a little bit of time free up at that time. So when did you make the jump to make the sports psychology work more of a full-time thing? How did that work? So in 2013, I just decided to to leave Catholic Charities and go full-time private practice. And yeah, that was a scary decision to make because I had been at Catholic Charities from 1998 till 2012. That wow. December. So it was a long time and there was a big, you know, it's a lot of security there for me with that waiting list and never having to, to get right. clients and, right. and all of that. But I did. But I, it is charity work. So I'm, I'm guessing the income was not, uh, it was never like, uh, you weren't going to get too rich doing exactly. that type of work, right? Yes. Yes. So yes, yeah, so I took the leap and I honestly never look back. It's been great. You know, I love the idea of making my own hours and, you know, working as hard or as little as I want and, you know, seeing the clients that, that are best fit for me. And so it's been terrific. Awesome. So, you know, I mentioned the money a little bit. I think when people make a jump like that, I'm always curious. I think others are always curious. What did your, your kind of your financial situation look like at that point? Did you have money saved up that would last you for a little while? Did you have a, a, you know, husband who was also supporting with income? And I asked the same question for, for anybody who's kind of making that leap to know, okay, what did you put in place? And then Maybe did you learn from that or what would you have done differently if you, if you could? Andy, that's a really great question. And I felt very fortunate because we are a double income family and my husband's business at the time was doing much better because in 2000, he's in the mortgage business. And so in 2009, that was not such a great time for me to, no. to be making that move. So in yeah. 2013, the timing was right. Yeah. Got it. So things were, things were getting better and you had his income to fall back on as you were going out to build this business. Fully understand. So how did you go out and start to build that? I mean, you had some clients on the side already. So mm-hmm. it was a matter of building on that. How did you go get new clients to turn this into more of a full-time thing? So what I did, so I had a, a little bit of a, a dilemma because 
I tried to get on some insurance panels because that would have been made it really easy. Because if you're on a, an insurance panel, like say for Blue Cross Blue Shield, all of you just start getting calls and it's very easy. But the panels were all full and I could not get on any panels. So that created a, a bit of a challenge. So I had to get out there and just kind of pound the pavement. And I went to networking meetings, trying to introduce myself to the different psychiatrists in town, uh, you know, for my general counseling clients. And then I was, you know, going out and doing a lot of speaking for the, the athletic departments in the different high schools here, looking for any opportunity just to kind of get my name out. And it, you know, it happened slowly and it took time. And people say it takes about three years and it did. It took about three years in order to get like a steady flow of referrals. I also hired a business coach hmm. because I had a lot of fear and that kept me from really putting myself out there. And yeah. so she made me accountable. She helped me see things from a different perspective and it was a very important piece for me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. If anybody listening obviously knows I'm a, I'm a big fan of coaching. I've done coaching myself. I've worked with coaches and been in mastermind groups and I love the, the, the support and especially the, the accountability that comes with that. And you yourself are, you know, kind of being a coach and helping others. And so it makes sense for you to seek that out and, and get help on the, the same thing. And so they, so the coach you hired was able to help you kind of get over the fear of putting yourself out there. And I'm going to guess from speaking to a lot of other people and having my own experience, maybe a little bit of that kind of imposter syndrome of like, why would they hire me to do this? Or were you, were you good there? No, I was not good there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely something that she challenged me on and, you know, creating my new story, living from the future, not from the past. Mm. Um, and so that was all something very new, you know, in therapy, we really talk about the past. And so that really opened my eyes to a different perspective. And it was so, that was a huge difference for me what I wanted to create. And so, yeah. And then with the, my, you know, with what I teach athletes and what I wanted to create and then creating all these visualizations around that, you know, and being able to really use some of the skills that I was, you know, using athletes to use for their performance came in handy as, as a result. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So really it was, it was a shift for you having all these years speaking to people about their past and helping them work through things to saying, we're not worried about the past. We're thinking about the future and what do you want to achieve and how are you going to get there and what do you need to move past to achieve those things? Yeah. I, I love that. So you said you were going around and speaking at athletic departments and things like that. Was your target client, I believe from speaking to you before, was more student athletes or rather the parents of student athletes, right? So you're trying to get in front of those student athletes or those, those parents to... Um, kind of show them that you would be able to help them take their skills and their performance to the next level by helping them with some of their anxieties? Yes. Well, and I think my target audience has always been both because okay. I kind of take a systems approach, like a family approach to it. And having been a sport parent and been a little bit of a crazy sport parent, and you know, that's my part of my story of why I, you yeah. know, I'm so passionate about this podcast and helping other parents yeah. because I think as parents, we can make a huge difference for our kids yeah. as far as their performance goes. And then of course, working with the athletes too, and just, and giving, you know, mental skills training and giving them the skills that they need to perform. But yeah, but going after both parents and the student athletes. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. So I want to hear that story because you kind of glossed through that and said, yeah. you know, you got into this because you had a couple daughters who were athletes and they were, you know, had a little bit of anxiety, but you, you kind of referred to yourself as a crazy sport parent. So yeah. what does that mean? What, what were you like when your daughters were competing <laughs> in, uh, in, in high school athletics? 
Okay, so I wasn't the like the, the crazy sport parent that you see on TV that's screaming at refs and other and the coaches and okay, other. that's that's good. That's not me. But what I did was mine was a little bit more covert, and my daughter, my older daughter, was a, a horseback rider. She was an equestrian, hmm. and growing up, all my friends had horses, and I did not have a horse. So when hmm. my daughter showed any interest in riding horses, you better believe that I was all over it, yeah. and I was making sure orchestrating everything for her. And so she uh -huh. started out with the pony rides when she was three, started taking lessons when she was seven. She had her first horse at 11, and then she was competing internationally when she was 16. Wow. So by the time she was 16, she had a goal of making a junior, uh, a national team, a junior rider team. And uh, she missed that goal by, you know, I think she came in 20th and she had to come in 12th. But what happened one day, we were getting ready to go to school and she came down the stairs and she was, uh, she was, I gasped at how thin she was and realized at that moment that things had gone terribly awry and that mm. she was riding for, not for the right reasons. And so yeah. we had to really take a step back and take a look. And it was really a time for me to reflect on what my role in was in all of that. Yeah. And as a result, it was wonderful because I was able to establish my own goals and chase some of my own dreams. And she hasn't been on a horse since. But I think that it was a really very good learning experience for a whole family. Yeah. Interesting. I was always into athletics, but I, I don't know much about horse riding. So you said she was really thin. I, I would imagine, is there sort of incentive to weigh as little as possible so that you're not hindering the horse as you're competing in these uh, competitions? That's why jockeys are so small. <laughs> yes. Well, that's exactly why jockeys are so small. Yeah. I think for her, what it was, you know, what she was on her way to an eating disorder. Yeah. I think what was happening is that she felt so out of control that the only thing she could control was what she ate or what she didn't eat. And mm. she was trying to tell me that for a long time. Yeah. And I wasn't listening because mm. I didn't want her to quit because I had too much invested. Right. And so that's really what happened. And you were sort of enabling or encouraging her because you were so wrapped up in, uh, you've spent all this time training for this and you're not going to give it up and you're going to go out there and compete. Exactly. And uh, yeah. And when it wasn't fun, I just tried to make it more fun. You know, there was a day she it was, we went to Tampa for a horse show and, you know, I trailered the horse all the way up there and she got dressed for a school dance in a rest stop. So I made sure she didn't miss the dance, you know, because I, I wanted her to have everything, have it all so that she wouldn't quit. Right. And we worked really, really way too hard. Yeah. <laughs> and she gave me lots of cues, but I wasn't, I wasn't hearing them. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I would like, you know, dig too much into this, but it makes me curious, like, is part of this because of things that you felt like you'd missed out on when you were Absolutely. a kid? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I was living my dream. Yeah. So, and you know, the thing, and I'm a professional. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You no. should see this coming. Yes. You should see this happening. But sometimes we don't, we don't see ourselves. We see the people around us and we need someone else to point that out to us. Exactly. Exactly. And so I really get it, you know, how it's so easy to, it's so easy for it to happen. And not only that, but all kinds of other motivations that we is, I mean, how can we, we all have history. We all have things yep. that stuff. So Absolutely. anyway, I'm very passionate to help other parents avoid that and to really help their kids be the best that they can be. 
Yeah. So, well, first of all, this is actually like a warning for me. I'm just thinking, well, what could, what could go wrong? But, you know, I have two kids myself and they're very young, so not really good at athletics. But it reminded me that my mom just enrolled my daughter, who is nearly four, into ballet class. And what she said was, I never got to take dance class when I was growing up. I always wanted to, and I never got to. So she's kind of living vicariously through my daughter and taking her to dance class, which she's really excited about. And I think that's great. But your story is kind of a cautionary tale of like how things can go too far. Uh, when you're like, I didn't get to do this. I'm going to, you know, you're going to compete. That's interesting. So you're actually working not just with students to help them with anxiety, but parents who are getting possibly too wrapped up in this stuff and going overboard and losing sight of what is the most important thing. Yes. And I think that's a really great point because what I really help parents to do is to establish, to really be able to identify what their family values are and then to kind of challenge their decisions or their decisions in line with those values. Because I think what happens is in those situations, we forget that or we just lose our awareness. And so really helping them to match those behaviors up with their family values. Yeah. So this is a show about entrepreneurship and you've been out on your own for a few years now. Thinking about this story and what, how you acted, getting wrapped up in the, the racing and what you've learned over the last few years, like what lessons can you take from that um, to apply towards entrepreneurship and possibly people getting too wrapped up in things they've invested in that maybe they shouldn't be going down that road? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that that is a, that's a really great question. And I, I guess what I would think about is the same thing. You know, we're thinking about what your mission is, what the, what your mission and your vision is for your business and to make sure that what you're doing aligns with that, you know, just like you do, like we do with our parenting. Yeah. I've, I've worked with people in coaching situations where you sit down and go through a values exercise and say, okay, what really matters to you? What's most important to you? And then you look at their calendar and it's, it's complete mismatch, right? You're not really doing the things that you say matter to you. I mean, I'm in that situation right now where I've, I've joined a new business. I'm trying to focus on that, but I'm still possibly spending too much time on other things. And I'm trying to correct that and streamline and, and make sure I spend my time in the, the right places, especially so it matches up with what I say. I'm, you know, I'm actually prioritizing. This episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. At Advantage, we offer creative learning solutions that can help accelerate leadership development, business acumen, sales performance, and business results. Our clients say we're imaginative, collaborative, insightful, and fun. For more info, visit AdvantagePerformance.com or call us at 415 925 6832. And now back to the show. As you've gone to grow this, where you are now, are you looking to grow or is it something that is kind of like, a, this is a good lifestyle business and I'm, I'm happy where I am? Well, that's another really great question because I've just become a grandmother in oh. uh, five months ago. Congratulations. Thank you. And it's been a game changer because my daughter and my son-in-law live up in, um, in New Jersey. And so I really have been looking for ways that I can have more freedom and flexibility. Mm. And so that's why I really want to develop the speaking part of my practice. So I can travel and be able to work, visit, and take more time when they're in town here. Oh, that's very cool. And that, is that the reason why you've started the podcast recently? Yes. Okay. So how's that experience been in starting a podcast? 
It's been challenging. <laughs> yeah. Especially for somebody that like me that doesn't have a lot of um, IT experience and yeah. I'm very IT challenged through the process. But I have to tell you that I have talked to some incredible parents and that has been awesome and just heard some great stories. And also I had an opportunity to interview somebody that's in your neighborhood, Larry Lauer, who is the mm. player development director at the USTA in Orlando. Oh, interesting. And I saw him at a conference in October and talked to, he was on a panel talking about the youth sports and he's done a lot of research on sport parenting and he was, oh, he had so much great information for parents. So that part of it has been awesome. It's just like getting it up every it's, month. A, it's the time and the, right, the technical stuff and uh, podcasting is something that's, it's so cool because it's accessible to everyone, but you sometimes forget that there are technical requirements. There are things you have to do. There's work involved. Yeah. There's not a big financial cost that goes into it, especially if you do all the editing and stuff yourself, which I did for a long time, but uh, it, it can still end up being a lot of work. But one of the benefits, like you said, and what I tell people all the time is, you know, I don't make any money from this podcast and it doesn't even really fit in with my chief business goal right now. But the conversations I've had, the people I've gotten to talk to just like this right now has been fantastic, has been well worth it. I mean, even if nobody listened to this podcast and I'm very lucky and blessed to have many people that do listen to the podcast regularly, but even if nobody did, it would still be a, a huge win for me because I've had so many awesome conversations and it sounds like you're, you're having those as well. Yes. So you mentioned the speaking thing. I'm just curious, how are you ramping that up? How are you getting speaking engagements? That's a good question. The only thing that I have done is I have put myself on a speaker's bureau and hoping to get some business that way. And yeah, and just, I, I just got a, a speaking engagement here in July that I'm really excited about. There's a hockey organization, they're having a conference. And so I'm going to be doing a, a seminar slash workshop for them at the conference in July. So that's exciting. I'm wait, I'm confused about this. You live in Southwest Florida and there's a hockey association meeting in July. Andy, you would not believe the hockey community here in Naples. It's amazing. Really? It really is. In fact, in July, in the summertime, after uh -huh. hockey season, there's a whole group of hockey players that come here to train huh. and at the hockey summit. And they, they do on and, ice, on and off ice training. They get nutrition. They get sports psychology. It's a very holistic approach. It's incredible. And we have a lot of retired hockey players that live in this area. And so they're going to they're gonna host the conference here in Naples. Interesting. Not something I expected. I know there are a lot of retired Midwesterners and Canadians down there in Naples. I didn't know there were retired hockey players, but I guess that kind of fits in because a lot of Canadians and Midwesterners play hockey. Yep. So yep. last question I want to ask you or, or big question is, you know, you've gone through this journey and been out more on your own over the last four years. What's one of the bigger mistakes you've made or lessons that you've learned throughout this uh, journey being on your own in the last four years? So I think there's two. The, mm. the, the first one I think is really, I love what I do and it's really hard for me to stay focused on my target audience because if somebody starts talking to me about, you know, maybe like a great grief workshop and a possibility of running a grief group and mm. I get all about that because, you know, that's where I come from. You know, I, yeah. I love that. But when I have to really stay focused on what the mission and vision of my business is, because I have a tendency to really to get too thin in too many mm -hmm. areas. And so that's been one of the things that I've really had to focus. And I have a mastermind group and they're really good at keeping me on track nice. with that. 
Yes. It's funny you mentioned that because I'm in a mastermind group and they pulled me back this week from uh, spreading myself too thin (laughs) and uh, not focusing enough. So I can relate to that. Okay, good. And I think the other thing is I didn't realize how private practice would be so lonely. And mm. so I've really had Despite to fight the name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> would have thought. Right. Um, but, you know, I really had have had to work to develop some resources and some support outside of, you know, because I spent a lot of time alone and in, in community mental health, we were staff and you had lots of people around. And, and so I've, you know, worked to create that um, over the last couple of years. Yeah. Interesting. I can relate to that. I've worked from home now for the last three years and are now uh, even more independent in my business. And I have a business partner and we talk regularly and, uh, you know, I see my wife and kids every day working from home, but you're not, it's different from being in an office and being around colleagues and, and just kind of getting that, that chit chat that people underestimate the, the value of that, even just talking about sports or politics or whatever it is that you're having conversations with people on. There's kind of a cultural value to that, that people sometimes forget about or underestimate with this whole thing. I love working from home and I think I'm even more productive, but there's something that we missed. I actually was running a workshop last week and this, um, this guy who worked for a big company had a virtual team with people spread out all over the place. And he said they have a daily virtual meeting and, uh, or three days a week. And one of those days is completely dedicated to what they call water cooler talk, where it's not business. They just chat and kind of get to know each other and, and hang out online, basically, so that they still get that camaraderie, which is you know, kind of interesting from a, a psychological standpoint, I'm sure you can appreciate. Yes, yeah. It's a good idea. Yeah. So Kathy, we got to wrap things up here. You've got this great practice. You're still, you're, you're getting into more speaking gigs. You're still working, I believe with student athletes and parents, right? Yes, I um, am. And uh, the last question would be, do you only work with them locally or do you work with people virtually in different places as well? You know, I, a lot of my clients will travel during, you know, the summer. And so uh, as long as they have a Florida address, I can do the, the internet work. I really work under the, stand, the, the guidelines of my license, which doesn't allow me to work with anybody out of the state. I have to be uh. licensed in the state where I work with people. But if, you know, they're just away for the summer, I can maintain that. But I don't, I don't try to develop my business with people that I can't meet with face-to-face. Got it. All right. So for anybody who is interested in working with Kathy, who's in the state of Florida there you go. Uh, or has a residence in the state of Florida or some type of identification here, <laughs> where do they go to find out more information, Kathy? How do they get in touch with you? You know, my website, which is um, calfcounselingandperformance.com, K-A-F, counselingandperformance.com. You can call me, 239-594-0900. Yeah. And the name of the podcast again? It's called Parenting Peak Performers. Parenting Peak Performers, and that's live on iTunes now. Yes. Awesome. Kathy, it's been so great talking with you. Thanks so much for coming on the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. Andy, thank you so much for having me. You actually changed, gave me a whole shift in my day. I really appreciate it. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, take care. You too. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. You can find more information at entrepreneurhotseat.com or my personal website, andystorch.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any questions or comments, or if you are looking for ways to take your life and business to the next level, you can send me an email to andy at andystorch.com. Take care.